Hello, I'm Beatrice Valerie Nero, and you're listening to This is the Voice of the Prophet. I have walked in the office of the prophet since God revealed the anointing he has placed on my life for close to 40 years. This podcast is a territory that he has assigned me that I pray will be done only as he ministers. The purpose of this podcast is to share the word of God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost as he ministers and speaks to my spirit as to what he would have me to speak to you, his sons and daughters. Let's use each and every episode to help us as his sons and daughters to talk about the elephant in the room, which is racism in the body of Christ. For too many years, pastors, teachers, and leaders have tried to sweep this issue under the rug while pretending and acting as though it didn't exist. You can help and support this podcast through your love and prayers, and also by telling your families, friends, co-workers, church members, and everyone you know about This is the Voice of the Prophet and how easy it is to tune in through any podcast server under this title. And remember, if for some reason you don't receive it through the uploads or to hear previous episodes, you can always reach This is the Voice of the Prophet on every and any podcast server. Thank you and God bless you. Now let's get into the word that God has for us for this week. This week, perhaps for the third or fourth time, I'm reading the same book on covenant. Literally, I can't get enough of it. Also, because there's really not a whole lot available to read on the subject, especially in reference to what I believe God is speaking to my spirit at this time. There are some books that deal specifically with communion or the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, but not many tackle the matter of covenant from the standpoint that I believe our Father is leading his people to in this hour, and that being that God is a God of covenant. God is continually pouring into my spirit concerning the power, importance, and mostly the love of his blood covenant with his sons and daughters. This week, you'll be hearing a lot of quotes from this book and one or two written in the introduction of a second book. From the second book, I now quote, the blood covenant is the most solemn binding agreement possible between two parties. Perhaps one of the least understood and yet most important and relevant factors in the covenant relationship that God has chosen to employ in his dealings with man is the blood covenant. This covenant of life and death spans the entire sacrificial system of the Old Testament and is the basis for the act of communion in the church today. The author seems to prove beyond a doubt that the blood covenant is one of the most ancient and universal institutions. This idea is founded on the representation familiar to Old Testament scholars that the blood stands for life. End quote. Wow. The blood stands for life. What it stands for, it changes. This is why I and those who truly understand covenant say the same thing. Covenant is life changing. Let me share just a little as to how life changing covenant has always been. In the time of Abram, the people cut a covenant with full knowledge 
that once having committed themselves to each other, everything they had belonged to each other. They intentionally would release their individual identities in order to have a merged identity. How does this happen with God? By making a covenant with humanity, God would bind himself to us and ask us to bind ourselves to him. Doing this would mean that everything he had would belong to us. All of the blessings of heaven would be ours. Although this has always been the intent of our Father, throughout history, the church has misunderstood, or worse yet, not even known about covenant other than seeing the words in the Bible. As I stated in an earlier podcast, the word covenant is mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible over 280 times and in the New International Version well over 332 times. And yet, with the word itself being mentioned so numerously throughout the Bible, and in spite of Jesus himself specifically saying that his blood was the blood of the new covenant, it's only been taught on slightly, and even then it's only been from time to time with no significant change. No one seems to truly walk in covenant with God as he intended from the beginning. In all fairness, perhaps we should say that this is because it's not fully comprehended in today's society. Again, in an earlier podcast, it's explained that covenant is not described in the Bible in any true detail other than what was exchanged because in the Middle East, during the time of the Bible, everyone understood covenant. They understood that it was not only binding to the two parties cutting the covenant, but it was also generational. When they saw someone wearing someone else's clothing, instead of accusing the individual of stealing the person's clothes, it was understood that a covenant had been cut between the two parties. When Mordecai, Esther's uncle was honored by the king. The king had his royal robe and his crown placed upon him. Mordecai rode the king's own horse through the town with his enemy, Haman, leading the horse, pronouncing that the king honored this man. Covenant was not only understood by all, but it was reverenced and respected by all. Each of us know that God wants to bless us, but because we don't know or realize how the covenant works, we begin to implement our own plans as to how to obtain these blessings. We begin to work out ways that we think will bring the blessings or ways to please God so that he will bless us. We go about our own way to make him bless us as opposed to what we need to do and how we need to live in order to simply receive the blessings. Some think that giving money, fasting, praying for hours on end, and any number of what we determine as good deeds will bring us God's favor and thus we can obtain his blessings. How many people have you known, including yourself, who have done everything they can think of, including tithing, 
everything the pastor says, given to every pledge, vow, and undertaking that the church says, along with what they see on television, and yet continue to struggle financially. Why? Because none of these things have anything to do with God's covenant. Thus, we end up living below the provision that God intends for us. In the words of James L. Gallo, and I quote, Understanding the covenant and the covenant language in the Bible is foundational to the Christian life, end quote. And we all know that if the foundation is not right, then whatever is built on that foundation will eventually crumble and fall. This is why we see so many denominations, beliefs, and practices when it comes to Christianity. Everyone thinks that they have the key to unlocking God's prosperity. Everyone is implementing their own way of serving God so that they can prosper when God is saying he is a God of covenant and that covenant is a covenant of love. The few authors whose writings I've read on covenant he said basically the same thing, that there was very, very little that they could find on covenant where it's presented as the true basis of our Christian lives. Westerners have very little concept of that Middle Eastern practice, especially one that was so prevalent thousands of years ago. When you take into consideration that there is so little known about covenant, it's truly sad because it's really not anything that difficult to receive or understand. I believe that when we ask the Father to teach us his way, then he will, but we must be willing to learn. When there's covenant, a true covenant, there's an exchange of identities. Jesus exchanged identities with us when he took our sins upon him and gave us his righteousness. Through covenant, God has exchanged his identity with ours. He has given us his robe of righteousness. Remember when the king placed Mordecai on his horse and placed his royal apparel upon him? It was saying, when you see Mordecai, you're seeing the king. Give him the same respect and reverence that you give to the king. In Isaiah 61 and 10, it reads, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. We're arrayed in a robe of God's righteousness, which means that he has given us his authority. We have authority over the enemy that so many are trying to walk in, but are losing the battles because their covenant with the Father is not as it should be. They're standing on promises rather than walking in, a, in the authority that we have as covenant believers in God. There is a difference, a huge difference between promises and covenant. When there's a covenant, the enemy must give us the same respect honor and reverence that he gives the Father because we are in covenant with God. In 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, it reads, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
We have been given the weapons of God. Just as Jonathan gave his bow and sword to David, God has given us his weapons. Ephesians 6.13 reads, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. What did Paul say? Put on the full armor of God. He didn't say to put on our full armor. God has given us his armor. Paul lived in the time where there was complete perception of what covenant meant. He knew that through Christ Jesus, we are now in covenant with God. And in order to walk in that authority against the enemy, we not only could, but had the right to put on the armor of God. Putting on God's armor is a covenant exchange. We have already been given the robe of righteousness, but with the armor of God, we're also given the belt. The belt represents an exchange of strength. Look at what Paul says in Philippians 4, as it is in the Amplified Classic edition of the Bible. That 13th verse reads, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Again, it's not our own sufficiency, but Christ. It's Christ who empowers us and makes us ready and equal for anything. It's all part of being in covenant with him. The weapons, the sword, the shield represents an exchange of enemies. Our enemies have now become God's enemies. This exchange is saying that God will protect us from harm and that he gives us the strength we need in order to overcome the enemy. That's covenant. When we're in covenant with God, because of the ex exchange, we are given his authority. Matthew 10 and 1 reads, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Jesus has given us authority through his blood, but that authority is useless to us if we do not walk in the covenant he has provided for us. In Zechariah 4 and 6, it reads, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It will not be by our might or our power, but by God's spirit. And again, there are far, far too many Christians that are trying to do it by their own might and their own power. Too many have taken the word of God and are using it either to accomplish their own selfish goals or they're misusing it because they don't understand how to walk in it correctly. Remember what Dr. Miles Monroe said? If you don't know the proper use of a thing, then it will be misused. When we don't know the proper use of the covenant of God, the Bible ends up being used and misused in ways that God never 
intended. Therefore, instead of receiving the blessings, we receive the curse. Now, let me clarify something. In the New Covenant, the New Testament, God never spoke a curse upon us because Jesus took the curse upon him. Cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. If you read the word of God in Deuteronomy 28, which is the Old Testament, you see the blessings as well as the curses being pronounced. It starts with, if you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all his commandments, which I command you this day, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you heed the voice of the Lord your God. These words are followed by the blessings. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. Your body, the fruit of your womb, and all that you put your hands to will be blessed. And remember, these blessings are generational. But under the law, in the old covenant, there was also the curse. Starting at the 15th verse of that same chapter, it reads, but if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, being watchful to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. This verse is followed by all of the curses being pronounced. However, in the New Testament, the new covenant, the blessings are still there. Matthew 5 and 3 starts with the blessings. It reads, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed, happy, to be envied, and spiritually prosperous, with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit, the humble, who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word blessed is used at least 112 times in the New Testament, where the word cursed is used only about 15 times. And that includes the times when Jesus cursed the fig tree. So what's my point? The old covenant pronounced the blessings and the curses. The new covenant only pronounces the blessings. In the new covenant, there are no curses. The blessings remain in the new covenant, whereas the curse does not unless we bring them on ourselves. How can we bring them on ourselves? By breaking or not walking in covenant with God. I pray that this episode has been enlightening to each of you, and I pray that you will share it with others, encouraging your church members, families, friends, neighbors, and co-workers to listen to the podcast, This is the Voice of the Prophet, on any podcast server. Until next Monday, remember that I am praying for each and every person who listens, asking our Father's blessings and favor upon you. God bless each and every one of you, and thank you so much for listening.